Paul says, he who prays in tongues doesn't speak to men, but speaks to God, and no one understands what he says. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. You know, the work of the Holy Ghost is to shikilimenda and to shundestamaste. They're mysterious to the known language. They're mysterious to our mind. It'll actually sound like gibberish or gobbledygook. You receive it when you get filled with the Spirit, when you get baptized in the Spirit. You're listening to Spoken Through, an audio series on leaving evangelical Pentecostalism. I'm Alec Cowan. I'm Mike, married with two wonderful children. I work for the post office, and I'm a recovering Pentecostal. I guess it, it's been it's been a, several years now since we've actually been a part of a traditionally Pentecostal church. But even the the non denominational one that we were attending there for a while still had still had its roots in that kind of atmosphere and so it it was still very charismatic if not if it didn't it not it didn't carry on the traditions of what you think of with i guess conservative pentecostalism you know the there were no dress codes there was no rules against piercings tattoos and the the things like that they had very much embraced modern society to a certain extent so just to start off, how would you describe Pentecostalism? I can't speak for anything in the apostolic realm or even the the UPHC or anything like that. But as far as what we dealt with, I don't want to say that they had completely liberalized the 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 church, so to speak, but the it's over the past I don't know, 15 or 20 years or so, it, it feels like they are, they're, they're stretching how strictly they adhere to what they used to teach as far as what's acceptable via the, the Old Testament, especially, you know, that they're more accepting, accepting is not the right word. They, they are welcoming in the LGBTQ community they're not it's not a shunning mentality so much anymore and it may be in private but as far as the the show they put on at church you know and it's the same towards i guess what you'd call the the alt society as far as the the tattoos and the piercings and coming dressed in all black with mop down hair and you know things of that nature they're they're just they're opening the doors to it and I think that's good for them as a whole, but I I don't know that they're 
really as honest as the show they're putting on in that regard. I would <laughs> try not to dive into too complicated but complicated of a description, but I would say it is it is a very open and wild version of Christianity, just in terms of how people act. And how would you describe growing up in your church, your experience of that? From my experience growing up, it was, it is wild, it is loud, it is just, it, it's, I liken the church service to the experience that you would have at a rock concert. It is lights, you know, the just the atmosphere in general that they're trying to move away from what has been considered traditional church in terms of, you know, you sing a couple of hymns and then you sit down and everybody pulls out their Bible and you all read from it. And they're, they've made it more of a show rather than just a church service. So I would say in, in essence, Pentecostalism is the Christian version of a rock concert. Was there anything that you had, um, something like you specifically wanted to read or watch, um, something you might have wanted to listen to, but because of the church rules, you weren't allowed to? Anything like that? It was, you know, we were part of the Pentecostal church in the late 80s and early 90s. And so it was, it was definitely, I was younger, so I didn't get, I didn't have quite as jaded or cynical of a view of it as I may have now. But it, especially at that point in time with the church that we were at and, you know, we were coming out of the charismatic craze, it was very strict, very rigid, very fundamentalist, very legalistic. Everything was, everything was designed around church and not, it's not to speak speak negative of having the Bible and having that kind of environment fostered in the household, but it went beyond just reading your Bible and praying at the house. It was everything had to be about the church. And yeah, it, it was, we, we had a list of approved shows that we could watch like i can still think back to being my daughter is six and a half now and i can remember being that age and you know a certain cartoon would come on and i couldn't watch that because there may be some inkling of a demonic presence on the show and that was very much my mother's legalism showing through in that because rather than take the time to and of course the internet didn't exist in the early 90s to the degree that it does now you couldn't just google a show to get the backstory behind it but it was rather than take a minute to talk to somebody who had watched it or to do a little bit of research on it it was just instantly no you can't watch that no you can't listen to that no you can't read that you can't wear that and it was all because well it may have some kind of association with the secular world. The one that I can most remember is Captain Planet. 
because it was along that same vein of they are summoning up the spirits of the elements and they're combining it to make one giant spirit. And of course, looking back on it, you realize that that's not the case at all. But to to a six-year-old whose mother is telling them that they can't watch the show because it's demonic, you, you don't know any better. There's no way to question it at that point. So... For background, I myself was never able to speak in tongues. So was that like a regular occurrence in your church? Was that something that they practiced? Did you yourself try to speak in tongues? I did about that same time frame. Most of my, most of what I'll talk about in relation to my growing up in that environment happened around that age range from like seven to 14 or so, but it was... It was probably around the time I was 10 years old or so. I was in that same frame of mind where I was really upset that I hadn't developed the ability to speak in tongues yet. And I would try to push it out, try to push it out. And I would mimic what I would hear my parents do. And it would go for you know maybe a minute or two. And you, I would just realize that I was forcing it and faking it. And it wasn't, it was not an organic occurrence. And I would give up and then try again later on down the road, and it would be the same situation. So your parents spoke in tongues. Did you ever have like a formal conversation with them about what that was like and how to do that? Did you ask them like what the purpose of it was, like why they were trying to speak in tongues, like what you should do? Was there like a, a way that they told you how to speak in tongues and taught you to do that kind of a thing? Yeah, we haven't. My wife and I have not gone to, to church since covid hit and everything shut down but just before that there was a big big movement within our church they do it every january it's the month of prayer and things like that and so you're focusing on your prayer life and you're really making it a point to to keep up with it but that's one of the things that they would talk about a lot in the sermon on sunday mornings was you know if you if you can just relax and you can hear it in your head and just start mimicking what you're hearing in your head and focus on that first syllable. And then the next one will come and then the next one will come. And you realize that everybody's just using the same syllables because they're all mimicking what they're hearing in their head, which is what the pastor was just doing. It probably most of all, it was just disappointment in myself at this gift of the spirit, even though my Sunday school teacher, the pastor, my dad, my mom, all of these people had prayed on me and laid hands on me, and I had been baptized and laid out in the Spirit, and it just it never came. And I never got the gift of prophecy, which is another one that my parents, you know, they had, they had tongues, they had prophecy, and they had interpretation. And that was the three things that the two of them would always interact through. And I was just kind of, I think I was more awestruck than anything that they were able to do that. But then I was disappointed that I wasn't able to join in with it, you know, on the, on the other hand, because it, I felt like at that point, after all of those years being in the church and having everything that had led up to it, for it not to come, there was something causing it to be that way, but I had no idea what it was at that age. So Mike, where, where do you find yourself 
now um, spiritually? Um, I guess like for background, I'm at a kind of point where I'm in between. Like I haven't replaced it with something else. It's kind of just an open question. But where where do you find yourself spiritually? Uh, I am at this moment. I am firmly entrenched in, and I don't know what I believe anymore. Camp. It's yeah. I went through a big phase in my teen years where I would proudly claim that I was an agnostic because I was an angsty 17-year-old who just wanted to wanted to have that edge to him. But now, at this point in my life, being a father, having a full-time job, having, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, I, I can honestly say that agnostic is probably the only way I could describe it because I don't, I do not subscribe to the underlying philosophy of Christianity anymore. You know, as far as an all-knowing, all-powerful God that created the universe, I don't have any concrete answer to that. But as far as the Christian ideals, the Christian worldview, it's I I have gradually been moving further and further away from it, and a lot of that started about the time COVID hit. I, like I think, I think I was really looking for a way out of the church anyway, without removing myself and disappointing people. And so when that happened, it was just kind of a welcome respite from that world for a while. Yeah, and what pushed you into into questioning that? I, I think. I think what really sparked me going down that rabbit hole last March was just I was seeing the way that the charismatic church especially the the white evangelical whether it be southern baptist or pentecostal you know any of those denominations just the way they were responding to everything that was going on it it definitely did not sit well with me and I started kind of reassessing where I was at in life as far as my spiritual walk went. And even that dovetailed with where I was at politically. And I just started to realize that, you know, I'm harboring a lot of inner strife towards these particular issues as far as do I actually even believe the story of Jesus, you know, and it's, I I don't necessarily have an answer for that yet, but it's, I've started reading works by people who are trying to discredit the Bible and on opposite that you're trying to read the apologetics and you're just trying to reconcile the two. And for me, it, it, I haven't been able to like there's no there's no point in the middle where they're meeting everything is leaning more towards that other end and it's you know you you go back and when you take a different approach to how you're reading the scriptures especially the stories throughout the Old Testament and you're seeing a lot of these things aren't adding up to what God was commanding these people to do if he's an all-loving God why is this happening and then you look at what was taking place in the New Testament, and 
hearing things like, you know, when you read the scriptures, you have to remember the context that they're written in. Okay, so it was okay for slavery to exist when the Bible was written, but it's not now. But it wasn't okay for people to be gay then, but you're still claiming that it's not now? Like, you you can't have these things both ways. And as I started to move myself away from the charismatic church, I think it just naturally lined up with me, moving myself away from the Christian worldview as a whole. And did that feel, I don't know, like intentional? Like, um, did you feel like you wanted to push away from the church? Was it like a formal decision or did it just kind of happen naturally on its own? Like things just kind of phased out. Right. And that's one of the things that I have, uh, that's a common thought that I have seen from following some of the subreddits and other online forums is when people start that deconversion process, when they're leaving the church and they're doing it, especially the ones that are doing it intentionally or just knowingly doing it, you know, you're not going through that phase as a teenager where you're just, you're moving away from it unintentionally, unconsciously, you know, you're looking at it and actually making that choice to do so. If that has been such a a steady force in your life, that gap, you know, for me at, at 17, it was less distressing, I guess, because I just went from being a staunch figure in the church to I was working full time. I was playing in a band. I was running around all day and night doing things, keeping myself occupied. And now, you know, I'm in that same boat where I'm looking for something and the gap is nowhere near as large as it would have been had I made this choice a decade ago. But there's still that little piece that was taken up by the church that now, you know, you've got to find something, you don't have to, but you're trying to find something to fit into that hole. And one of those, one of the thoughts that I've struggled with is what if I don't find something? Like, am I going to be okay if I don't find the answers to the questions that I have right now? You know, and that's been... That's been a, a troubling thought and something that I've had to kind of not necessarily fight through, but it, it's been it's been a struggle at times. So what parts of your upbringing have stayed with you since you left? Is there anything that even up to now that you feel like um, impacts the way you behave or the way you think, something like that? If you've grown up in that environment where it was so routinely repeated that you you can't watch certain things, you can't partake in certain things breaking that habit you know the it things like that can definitely be triggering of those past experiences and i'm not i'm not going to sit here and proclaim to you that you should go out and watch everything possible that you can on occults and witchcraft and whatnot but it, it's it's finding that balance of being able to to take in certain mediums and not be triggered by it because of something that happened in your childhood. It was definitely a continuous stream of you need to be pure, you need to keep your mind pure, your body pure, you know, pure in thought, pure in action, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I 
when I went through my rebellious stage at you know 12 years old and I started cussing and looking at porn and doing all of those things that my parents just railed so hard against as a kid initially going into that environment it i can pretty vividly remember having some moments of self-doubt and going oh i probably need to repent for this the you know i i need to get my mind right i need to get right with god on this and it sounds bad to say, but I think I just went so far down that trail in my preteen and early teen years that eventually it was just conditioning that it didn't affect me that same way. you know. And now I don't have those lingering thoughts of, man, I'm probably going to hell for everything that I've done, you know, and I, that, that inner guilt that is such a key component to especially Pentecostal evangelical Christianity. It it doesn't have the same hold on me that I've seen that it has on other people. And I can only say that I'm very thankful for that. (laughs) And were there any good moments in your experience? Like maybe something that you miss even? The atmosphere that was created in praise and worship and especially being a part of that you know playing on the worship team that that aspect of it even if i feel like it was just forced emotion you know based on how they put on the the service i'm i miss being a part of that i miss that camaraderie i guess having with the other musicians and just that that aspect felt separate from the rest of the church as a whole it, it just and and maybe that has more to do with the fact that i i played in bands for so long being younger and that's just so much a part of my identity is playing music that if i could pull that away from it and just have those relationships and that particular aspect while removing everything else that surrounded it but other than that i I can't i can't pinpoint any particular positive aspect that i feel like i'm missing out on not being a part of it right now So I bounced back and forth growing up between homeschool and public school, and then I I did this kind of homeschool co-op thing through high school, and it was through the church. So all of the kids that I ran with at the homeschool co-op, because we would meet one day a week for certain classes that you couldn't do at home, you know, your chemistries, biology, science classes like that. And all of those guys, their families were in the church as well, so... We would see each other on Thursdays for class, and then we would see each other Sundays at church and Wednesdays on youth for youth group. And now some of those guys, they've been my lifelong friends. You know, I've known them all since I was 10, 12 years old, but 
all of us have pretty much removed ourselves from the church, if not from Christianity as a whole. And once I, when I left the first time at, you know, 17, 18 years old, and I made more relationships with people at work and in the music scene down here, a lot of those aren't, they're not as strong of a relationship, but there's still people that I'm in communication with. But when I went back to the church at, I think, 24, 25, about the time my wife and I got married, at that point, none of the relationships that I developed in there were anything more than superficial Sunday relationships. We did not converse with each other throughout the week. We saw each other for rehearsal and then for service on Sunday morning, and that was it. So that it, it definitely was a different atmosphere the second t- go around in, in terms of building relationships. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Mike. Um, thank you so much for taking the time to to chat today. Yeah, I was really happy to stumble across that post because it's Again, while I don't necessarily have the stories to share, it's a topic that I do enjoy talking about. If for nothing else, then it stirs up within me that I want to continue. Like, I I don't want what I'm going through right now to become just complacency. You know what I mean? Like, I want to continue trying to pursue the answers to the questions instead of just forgetting that I have the questions. And that that's probably the best way to summarize where i'm at right now like i want to stay on the path that i'm on and i don't want to forget why i'm making the decisions that i'm making right now 